Well, you know, I, I was talking, we had a lovely prayer time. You know, I, I don't know about you guys. I could have easily spent the whole morning praying with the prayer team. You're fantastic. Thank you so much for having me back. Thank you so much for having me here at Lynn Baptist. It is wonderful to be with you here today. And, and you know, it's, it's Bible Sunday, so I thought I'll preach about the Bible. So I promise not to talk too much about Sycamore. I was telling Arthur, you have to forgive me if I just, you know, if I just drop it just a little bit because I... I am so passionate about what God is doing through Sycamore Tree Course at Thorn Cross. And I'm so passionate about the way that the partnerships in the gospel have made this possible. I mean, when I look around, half the congregation, our prison fellowship volunteers are near enough. It's wonderful. What a wonderful gift of God to the people of God and to the people who have not yet come to faith in Christ, to our people at Thorn Cross Prison. We are just so blessed. And you know, I, I won't tell you about the fact that it's based on Luke 19, 1 to 10. I won't tell you it's about the transformational story about this little guy called Zach who was vertically challenged, who was horrible to his neighbors, who ripped him off using Roman muscle. And then one day when Jesus rolled into town, he climbed up a. Oh, come on now. He climbed up a. That's the one he climbed up. You're straight up, he did. And then Jesus called him down. And I love it. He didn't call him down to put him down. He called him down to call him. To relationship. And we don't know what they talked about. They had dinner. Probably wasn't McDonald's. <laughs> Call them for dinner. We don't know what they talked about. At the end of that dinner, Zach came out. I said, look, everything I've taken, everything I've stolen, I'm going to pay four times back for all of my victims. And half of all of my wealth I'm going to give to the poor. Isn't that incredible? And Jesus said, Today, salvation has come to this household. It doesn't mean just a Zach's household, but when we think in a restorative way, in a restorative justice gospel way, salvation will come to your house, and salvation will come to my house, and salvation came to Jericho because Zach was obedient to Jesus' call. And you know what he's calling you this morning? He's calling you. He's calling me. I'm so excited to be here. And, that, and I promise I'm not going to talk anymore about Sycamore. I, I'm hardly going to talk about Prisons Week at all as well, which is Prisons Week is coming up. Isn't that a lovely poster? Very nice. Prison Week is actually 15th to 21st. It says a new and living way. Who do you think that new and living way is? It's Jesus, isn't he? Jesus, who sets the captives free. John 8, 36. When the Son sets you free? When the Son sets you free? That's the one. That's the one. Well, you know, now that I've sort of got that out of my blood, we're going to have a, <laughs> we're going to have a little bit of a video clip, which is from one of my favorite bands called Mercy Me. And they were named... When they were looking for a name for the band, one of the lead singers, Grandma, being from the southern United States, you know, we Canadians don't have an accent at all. Uh, so, so, but they, they would say, mercy me. But she'd say, mercy me. They'd say, Grandma, we're going to play here. She'd say, mercy me, aren't you busy? So they called the band Mercy Me. And this is a song by Mercy Me called Word of God Speak. Hope you enjoy. And Father, we pray, Word of God, living Logos, Holy Spirit, Ruach Elohim, come and speak to our hearts right now. We are ready, Lord. We are ready to hear your voice. We are ready to hear your call. We are ready to have our lives transformed. Word of God, speak, I pray. Move in power. Holy Spirit, thank you for visiting with us. And we just surrender this next bit of time completely and utterly as we surrender our lives. Whether we live or die, living God, I pray, we surrender to you. Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, yeah. Is that okay, that video? That's cool. Did you get those funny accents? I know, they don't have an accent. It's you folk who have the accent. Yeah, that's right. Um, 
tell you a little story. I want to tell you a little story. It's this Bible study. And, and uh, just to begin, there's this fellow, very, very well-to-do fellow in, in the UK here. And his, his, his mom's over in America, and it's a birthday. And he, he wants to get something special. I said, what can I get my mom for birthday? She's out of everything because he's, he's really well-to-do. She's got pretty much everything. Doesn't need a whole lot. And uh, he, th- he calls around. So he calls around some. He thinks, well, I'll get her a pet. So he calls these pet shops the finest pet shops and finally finds this one bespoke pet shop and and they say what have you got that's the most incredible gift for my mom she's one but i'm a christian my mom's a christian lady i'd like to get some well she, he said you are in luck so i've got these birds okay these are unlike any birds you've ever seen they can sing what well, a lot of birds sing they can dance they can dance oh, okay they can quote the scripture yeah i'll have those he said well wait don't you want to hear how much here two and a half grand a piece he said, I'll have both of them. Seriously. So, uh, so he packed, you know, he calls them, he makes all the arrangements, and, <clears throat> and the next day, these, you know, he's sure his mom's picked these up, and they've been, been delivered, and at the end of the day, very busy business, and so at the end of the day, the following day, her birthday, he calls to say happy birthday. Hey, mom, how did you like the birds? How did you like those birds? She said, oh, are they good? She said, Excuse me? Oh, were they delicious? They were... <laughs> They were fantastic, both of them. I'm glad because they weren't too big. I'm glad you bought two. <clears throat> she said, Mom, didn't you know those birds could sing? No. Didn't you know they could dance? No. Didn't you know they could quote the scriptures? She said, well, they should have said something. <laughs> I'll tell you what. You know, they should have said something. Instead of being the guest at dinner, they would have been the guest of honor at dinner. And you know, when it comes to the Word of God in our lives, there's a time... More often than not, we need to speak the Word of God, isn't it? You know, it's not enough. We've got it on our computers. and You know, I was thinking earlier, I'm not terribly high-tech, but I've got one of these phones here. i got this Bible app. I get my Bible verses on my phone. And this, don't tell my kids, they'll think it's amazing. It's a miracle, because like I am the worst tech in the world. But but this little Bible app, this is amazing. Second, uh, Second Peter 1, 2 Yesterday, it says, above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. Prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. You see, I'm not making that up. I've got an app on my phone for the Bible. Isn't that great? So I've got it on my iPod. I've got it on my computer. I've got it on the Word here. Uh, and we're going to talk about the Word of God today. I actually, I was glad Arthur said, well, how long have I got? He said, well, you could go up to half an hour. So I wrote two sermons. <clears throat> so that's okay. So you've not put dinner on, right? That's good. Okay. Um, what we're going to do is look a little bit at the Word, because I think the most exciting thing about the Word is releasing the Word, uh, realizing the potential of God's Word in our own lives, and just kind of sitting back and seeing what he does as the word of God is released in us. So, uh, uh, now I've done this before and I'm going to do it again. So if there's a Bible in your pew, grab your Bible in your right hand. You got your right hand? By the way, but while you, if you could turn around, my very lovely wife Christine is here today, you know, and she says, Sean, well, you just don't embarrass me. I'm not going, but she's in a lovely berry outfit and I've been told it's not purple. Guys, if you're talking to Christine, it's not purple. It's berry, that color. Barry. Christine, will you just wave for a second? There, yeah, she's got her mouth. Fantastic. So grab your Bible in your right hand, stick it up in the air, wave it around. Fantastic. You know what you've just done? You've made the devil really nervous. You can put your Bible down. All right. So, uh, we've got our Bibles. That's good you got your Bibles here. I'm going to read you some quotes. 
so here's some quotes about the Bible for some pretty important people, because I don't want you to think, I'm just telling you things that, you know, I've heard of, or, or this is sort of second, uh, this is a rumor, or a story, but these, these are some really heavyweight people. So don't put your Bible down, you're going to need it. St. Jerome said that ignoring the scriptures is ignorance of Christ. One of the great saints of the church, ignorance of the, ignorance of the scriptures is ignorance of Christ. Um, Sir Isaac Newton, the great scientist, of course, said, we account the scriptures of God to be the most sublime philosophy. I find it more sure marks of authenticity in the Bible than any other profane history whatsoever. Blaise Pascal, do you remember Blaise Pascal? He's a French philosopher. He's the one that came up with the term that we have a God-shaped hole in our heart. Blaise Pascal said this about the Bible. I prefer to believe those writers who get their throats cut for what they write. And I guarantee you there are Christians now in countries around the world because they have a Bible in their hand or in their heart or in their voice, in their life, that will lose their lives today, this very day. Napoleon, now I know in England we're not that keen on Napoleon, but uh, Napoleon said this, the gospel is not a book, it is a living being. That sounds like Hebrews 4.12, doesn't it? It is a living being with an action, a power, which invades everything that opposes its extension. It is upon this table, so it's in his house when he wrote this, this book surpasses all others. And I love this Voltaire. Has anyone heard of Voltaire, this, uh, the French libertine? And he was quite anti-God, anti-church, anti-Christ. And Voltaire said that, that, that uh, this is amazing. So he said this in 1778. He said that within a 100 years, Christianity will be no more. In other words, you're not going to find a Bible. Be gone. 100 years. And 50 years after his death, God bless his heart, the Geneva Bible Society used this out to print Bibles. Stacks and stacks and stacks of Bibles. So God's got a great sense of humor. I'll just do a few more of these because these are pretty powerful. There's a guy called Robert Wilson who translated the Bible. He could speak 45 different languages. He translated the Bible so the word of God could go right across the world. And this guy, amazing, he spent his life, forty, in fact, 45 years he was translating and working. He said, uh, I may add that the result of my 45 years of study of the Bible has led me to a firmer faith uh, that the Old Testament is a true historical account of the history of the Israelite people. That's someone who gave his life 45 years for the gospel. Uh, for the interpretation, the translation of the Bible. George Washington, okay, now I know that's another sensitive one for us over here. George Washington, he said, it is impossible to rightly govern the world without God and the Bible. And Immanuel Kant said, I believe that the existence of the Bible is the greatest benefit to human race. And listen carefully, any attempt to belittle it, I believe, is a crime against humanity. How powerful is that? And finally, and I love, I got to save my, one of my great heroes of the faith. I love Abraham Lincoln. He said all the saves free in America. Uh, you know, Canada never got to that because being loyalist, we helped to free slaves and we had the underground railway thing going on and uh, we helped people. But Abraham Lincoln said, I believe that the Bible is the best gift that God has given to man. All the good of the Savior of the world is communicated to us through this book. How amazing is that? How wonderful. You like those little quotes? And I think they call them sound bites. Eh? All right, they're sound bites. But here's the, here's the scary part. In the United Kingdom, nine-tenths of all adults, 90% of all adults have no engagement with the Bible whatsoever. 47% of all children in the United Kingdom have never, ever, ever read a Bible story. 40%, 47% of the kids in the United Kingdom. How sad is that? It's It's desperate. Well, let's hopefully we can see why God's word is so important for us. I'm just wondering if somebody could please 
have a read of 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. So grab your Bible in your hand. First person to find it can read it out, shout it out in your open-air voice. Yeah, 2 Timothy. You see, you didn't think this was going to be an interactive sermon. It is. First one with 2 Timothy. Yeah, 3, verse 16 and 17. Can someone read that, please? Yeah, anyone who's going to be brave? God bless you. That that is wonderful. That that term, God breathed, in the very beginning in the book of Genesis in Hebrew, the, the word for Genesis, uh, Bereshit, and in Bereshit, in beginnings. I like the, the the Hebrew word for Genesis, but beginnings. That the Holy Spirit. What did He do? He was brooding over the chaos. And scriptures are God breathed. The Ruach Elohim, the breath of God, is in the scriptures. That is so powerful. Uh, now, one one thing that I've got quite a Wow, look at that. We got that right up there. Fantastic. Gosh, you guys are so high tech. It's not even funny. Uh, and you know, the funny thing is, is that sometimes humans put ourselves above the scriptures. This is dangerous. Our Arthur was helping me. I had a gaggle of Anglican clergy into the prison on Thursday. I'm, I'm so glad I'm not fired, you know, because I'm, I'm just a little bit evangelical and sort of a little bit charismatic, you see. And, and uh, not all the Anglican folk always are, but it was wonderful. Arthur was in there. We got in there, and we were trying to impart to these folks, wonderful folks, the importance and significance that each church has to play in a spirit-filled, anointed and truthful expression of the gospel that actually reaches into places like prisons and schools and to the homeless and the lost, the least, and broken. You see, if we are not living out a God-breathed explanation and holy uh, sort of representation of God's word in our lives, well, then we're missing our mark, aren't we? We're missing the mark. It's not something we want to do. Uh, you see, and the other danger is that sometimes people, you know, I've got a couple of degrees, and I, I, I can do theology, and that's great. Theology is just two Greek words, theo and logos, so it's a sort of a study of God's Word. That's cool. I get it. But if human beings place themselves above God's Word, that's where you've got to be careful. If you get into form criticism and redaction theory and Boltzmann and Harnack and all these wonderful guys who try to pick apart the Word, see, I, I get it. It's good to understand the Word. But the danger is if we ever put ourselves in a position where we think we are in a place to correct the Word of God, we are in a very dangerous place. Is that cool? Is that all right? So I'm just saying, when we study the Bible, study with an open heart to receive God's Word. Study ready to hear what He's got for you. Yeah? Is that cool? Fantastic. I'm going to race through this because there's no way. Arthur, I'm going to look at you. Tell me when I'm getting close for time, eh? Yeah? Still all right. Okay. Could somebody please read? Yeah, I love this. Psalm 119, 105. 119, 105. Yeah, I like this. 119, 105. Oh, my goodness gracious. My goodness gracious. Wow. That is fantastic. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees, that I would not be put to shame when I consider all your commands. I'll praise you with an upright heart. Isn't that lovely? God is so good. Now, the one I I must have a... I've got a little uh, passage from 119 that also says that your word, Lord, is a lamp 
alighted on my feet. 105, oh, sorry, 105, it's me. I, I write in tongues, you know. It's that 105. 105, which is, well, that works as well, too, but 105 actually talks about the word of God being a lamp in my feet. Guys, do you know when the, the uh, shepherds back in Israel would guide the sheep in dangerous and, and uh, rocky places. It would sometimes get a little lamp. If it was so dark and you couldn't see anything, they put that lamp on the edge of the foot. If they're on a, a hillside or a crag or a cliffside, and they put that little... So everywhere they would step, they could see that bit of light. And the Word of God is a lamp. To our, it is a light to our path. Guys, if you ever feel you're stumbling, where's your light? Where's your light? Have you got your light on you? Have you got it with you? You need to have it with you. I, in fact, you know, I love, can anyone see this? Uh, my Bible here, this is a very special Bible to me. Because it's, yes, it's a, did you say Gideon's? Boom. Yes. Gideon's Bible. Yes. Who remembers the story of Gideon? God bless his soul. Gideon, who was, when he went out to, to face this huge army, and the Lord said, Gideon, don't, you don't need all those fellows. Take those fellows who look down, who take, when they drink the water, they're looking around, they're not, completely focused on that, that they're, they're aware. I uh, took them and they had, what did they have? What did Gideon's army have? They had the trumpets, but they had the, this pottery with the light in it. And at the command, what did they do? They broke that, and the light shone forth. The light shone forth. And the army, the enemy army, that he, you know, this, they were wiped out. They were just, and nothing to do with Gideon. Gideon just obeyed God. John 2 verse 5. Jesus' mom says, whatever he tells you, do it. It's simple as. But the light of Christ has got to shine from us. Is that right? You know, and isn't that a great... I love that Gideon's... And that, in fact, Arthur gave this to me uh, back in 2000... I think it was, it was 2011 uh, at an event in July. We had a Tough Talk event. It was such a lovely presentation. I cherish that. If you can't carry one of these around with you, I got a little, I got a little sneaky thing I do in prison as well because we got these Gideon's New Testaments. And uh, they're really handy because if somebody, if you happen to lead someone to faith in Christ, the best thing you can do, the only thing you can do, other than praying the sinner's prayer so you know they've done it right, you know, is to give them a New Testament or a Bible. Spurgeon was once asked, how do you defend the Bible? He said, well, it's kind of like a lion tamer. Excuse me? A lion tamer. Well, he, he just opens a cage and lets the thing out. <laughs> That's all you have to do with the Bible. Open that thing. Let it out. Let the power of God out. And let the power of God out of your life. Be bold. Be bold in the Lord your God. You know, wherever you go, whatever you do, let that light shine out of you. Yes, and He will shine out of you. How about, let's have a look. This is good. I like this. How about Joshua 1 verse 8? I love this. Where's Joshua? Joshua's gone out now already, hasn't he? Where's our Joshua? He's get out. Where's Joshua 1 verse 8? You'll have to tell Joshua later. This is his verse. Joshua 1 verse 8. If we find this, yes. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Yes. So you see, it's interesting. We meditate on the Word of God. Have you ever noticed uh, when, I could have brought my prayer shawl with me, but when Jewish people pray, they will take something called a phylactery and wrap it around their arm. It has a, a portion of Scripture. When you go to a Jewish person's house, there is something called a mezuzah with the Scripture there. They'll, they'll, they'll just have a little blessing or just a remind, remembrance of touching that Scripture and remembering it and commending it to themselves. So the Scripture on the heart, the Scripture, you know, in their being, they meditate upon it. They'll live up. It's something that Christians could really do as well. Just by having your 
your Bible handy, even if it's in your mobile phone or on your laptop or whatever. It's nice to have a hard copy to give away. That's all. Um, so just remember, we've got to meditate on it. I've got a little, uh, a little demonstration I usually use with the kids. I, I was toying with either doing the airplane gospel or the five-finger grip gospel. The five-finger grip gospel just means that with your Bible, we've got to, we can memorize the Bible. Who knows John 3.16? Yeah, of course. Yeah, we do. So we can memorize it. We can meditate upon it. We can hear it as we're hearing it today. We're hearing, sharing the gospel. Uh, we can read the gospel, which is very important. That goes in with that meditation time. When you read the word, and even if you uh, listen in your car, I've got the go- oh, I've got the gospel on my CD. As a test of my dear Chris's love, I have the Psalms on when we come up. Because every time I get up at about quarter past five to get into the prison, about quarter past twenty past six to pray, I have the Psalms washing, washing, washing over me all the time. And then on the way home, after I've had a busy day at the prison, you know, and sometimes some of those days are a little challenging. You, you find that hard to believe, I'm sure. But you let the Scriptures wash over you, and they wash over you, and they bless you, and they heal you. There's healing in the Psalms. Anyone here having a rough time, get stuck into the Psalms. Put it on repeat. Get them on your iPod. Get them on your computer, whatever. Listen to them. Listen to them. Meditate on them. Don't let them depart from you. You know, that's a good way. But that five-finger hold, the last one, so you can hear it, you can read it, you can meditate on it, you can memorize it, but you've got to. The fourth and most important thing is you've got to live it. That's the five-finger grip of the Bible. You've got to live it. William Booth said, founder of the Salvation Army, 1867, William Booth said that I wish all of my officers, all of my pastors, would become nothing less than flesh and blood epistles. What does that mean? Anyone? Flesh and blood epistles. A living book. Exactly. You and I, my friends, are the only Bible some people will ever read in their lives. My Christine works in the NHS in Preston. And, you know, there are so many people that don't know Jesus. And they're drawn to her. I told her I wouldn't embarrass her. I'm going to get in so much trouble for saying this. They are drawn to her because the love of God and the, the, the compassion of Christ shines out of her. And people are drawn to that. It's just such a wonderful thing. Let's move on here because I don't want to get in trouble with my wife or anyone else here. So how about, how, let's look at uh, Matthew 4, verse 4. Matthew 4, verse 4. Oh, my goodness gracious. We got quick draw on the computer back there. My goodness, that's good. Oh, wow, that's great. So man does not live by what? Bread alone, but by Every word that comes from the mouth of God. So, do you know the Bible is a revealed word of God? If you want to see Jesus, get stuck into your Bible. If you want to hear God, get stuck into your Bible. It's as simple as that. Don't worry about what... You know, I say this when we have Holy Communion. I'm so glad I'm not fired because I always tell the boys this isn't a religious thing. My Holy Communion is actually officially booked as an Anglican Holy Communion. I said, forget that. Because that won't save you. Religion won't save you. I don't care if what faith, some faith, any faith, no faith. But if you put your trust in Jesus, Jesus will save you. And you are what you eat. So you know that goes for Holy Communion, but it also goes for the Word of God. What gets into you will determine what sort of believer we're going to be, who we are in Christ. Does it make sense? Amen? You got to work with me, amen? All right, that's cool. That's good. How about Hebrews 4, verse 12? I love this one. I had a friend who almost got in big trouble in a Canadian prison for quoting this at the wrong time. Hebrews 4, verse 12. 
The Word of God is what? Living and active and sharper than a... Yes. I had a friend of mine when I started in Canada with the Salvation Army Correctional Justice Service as a chaplain in 1980. <coughs> I had a friend of mine. We went into the prison and uh, they said, do you have anything to declare? Have you got anything with you? Because you're not allowed to bring phones or sharps or anything like this. And one of my dear brothers in Christ, who wasn't the sharpest tool in the toolbox, said, yeah, he said, I got my sword in here. And a bunch of big guys jumped out and showed him how gravity operated, you know, put him on the ground. So, you know, there's a time to share and there's a time not to share. But the word of God, sharp and active as a double-edged sword. But it is. It is. It's far more powerful than AK-47. It's far more powerful than an atom bomb. The word of God, and I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Listen, the Word of God separates. It separates, doesn't it? If you look at the Word of God like a surgeon's scalpel, what does a surgeon's scalpel do? A gifted surgeon. Let's say he's cutting something awful away. What's, what does it do? What does that scalpel do? It's, it separates that which is harmful from that which is living. And the Word of God will either separate you to Christ, or the Word of God will separate you from Christ. And that will determine on your position. If you ever feel far away from God, guess who's taking a walk? Yeah? The Word of God will separate us to Christ, or if there are things in us that aren't honoring Christ, it'll separate us from Him. Because He's a holy God. This world seems to think, well, you know, I'm okay, you're okay. Well, it's, God's not like that. God can't act contrary to His nature. He is a holy God. His Word is a holy Word. And it lays hold, it lays claim of your life, the hold of your life. And you know, the... What I love about the Word of God is it shows us not just that Jesus is the Savior of the world, He is our Savior, but what it means for Him to be Lord. The Lordship of Christ is so, is so important. You cannot pigeonhole Jesus. We've got to say, Jesus, you're either Lord of all or you're not Lord of, at all. You can't say, Lord, you've got control over this and this and this, but you're not going to have that. That's none of your business. The moment we say that, you withdraw from that relationship where the Lord Jesus is indeed the Lord Jesus of your life and of my life. And I say that with great love, and I hope you understand that, and I hope I don't offend you, but that's as simple as it is. And so the Word of God will let us know where we are in that relationship. And I would just encourage you to get closer, get into the Word, get into that relationship. You know, it's not about loving the law of God. You know, I don't go and look through the the laws of the United Kingdom to learn about how fast I can go in my car without getting in trouble. I don't love the law. But you see, I love the one who made the law. I love the one who made the earth. I love the one who made the book, the Word, our Lord Jesus and so that's the Word of God, very powerful. And, you know, while we are living out that sort of incarnational gospel, the Lord will put people in your way where you will be able to apply the Word of God in such a way to help that person be separated from something that's harmful from, to them, you know? It'll, it'll help you to speak truth and to correct, to help that person have a better life, to get closer to God. Does that make sense? Is that all right? Oh, that's great. Bless you. You're all so well-behaved, you know. <laughs> My boys in the prison, as soon as I get a question, oh, yeah, Sean, I know what that been. I put the hand up, and they'll, they'll tell me, and that's great. So I'm used to that. And you're, all, you're all so polite. God bless you. Uh, well, I'm just going to give you a couple other things here. I like this one. How about Psalm 1, verse 2? Psalm 1, verse 2. I do like this. Yeah, yeah. I like that. My goodness gracious. Wider back there. My goodness. 
So his delight is in the law of the Lord. In his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season. Let me tell you something about the Word of God, guys. I love this text from Psalm 1. I love, as I say, I love the Psalms. I'm going through a season of just going through the Psalms, through the Psalms, through the Psalms. And a, a tree, if you've ever been to a very arid place, a tree that is planted by a river will always bear fruit. Why? There's no rain. Why? Why? It's roots. And the roots are going down deep. And it's by that river. It's by that river. And you know, when we meditate, when we delight in the Lord, it reminds me of Psalm 37, verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord. He will grant you the desires of your heart. When you delight in the law of the Lord, you set yourself up near that river, that spiritual river, that wealth of the word river that will nourish you and replenish you when you feel drained and will keep you going through dry seasons. Guys, look. I can't tell you any more straight than this. We will all go through difficult times. And if you're living for Jesus and making a difference, the devil will go after you twice as much as if you aren't. It's as simple as that. But if we can get rooted in the Word and live out the Word in an incarnational gospel way, well, then we will yield that good fruit in season whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. I like that. Am I all right, Arthur? Couple. Oh, gosh, I'm flying by here. Oh, you know, I could go on for about two hours. I won't. I'm just going to give you a couple more scriptures. Right. How about uh, Isaiah 40, verse 8? Isaiah 40, verse 8. This is a nice one. Because it's nice to know where we fit in with the scheme of things. You know, guys, I say this to the young people as well. Uh, Young people, please, I say this is a great love. As an old guy, you know, like, I'm not cool. I get that. I got no cool in me. Uh, but, but I've got Jesus in me. And, and I'll tell you something. The world uh, has a load of trends. Every season, there are trends and trends and things for you to follow or fashions or music or whatever. But, you know, the Word of God is something that is not affected by trends. The Word of God is something that is not affected by what's on MTV or, or, or who's popular playing football or, or who's really a good singer. You know, who's really good singing to you? Justin Timberlake. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but you see, the Word of God's not like that. The Word of God, you cannot pin it down the way you can trends and seasons and, and, and humanity. Humans are changing. We're always changing. The Word of God will remain forever. And that just reminds me of that last verse. I, we're going to ask if we put on John 1, verse 1. We'll have John 1, verse 1 in a second. Yeah, I like that. I like that, John 1, verse 1. I do like that. And in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. It's as simple as that. And you know that word in Greek, we we find so much. I love studying other languages, by the way. In the Greek, the word is logos. Jesus Christ is the living logos. He is a divine word. When you connect with this word, you connect with this word. When he connects with you, this will make more sense to you. The logos, the the ruach alahim, the, the word, the logos. Jesus is. He was with God before anything was. He was. He's not created. He is one with the Father, the Son, and with the Holy Spirit, they are the, the Trinity. And you know, it's so important we remember that He is the living Word of God who enables us to live out the living Word of God. It's just as simple as that. 
It's as simple as that. We've almost come to the end of our time together. I had a really very, a very dear friend called Bobby Chapman back in my days in the Salvation Army. Bobby Chapman was with the Christian Aviators. Has anyone heard of the Christian Aviators? Yeah? And uh, he used to fly out in Africa and take Bibles out and all sorts. And, and uh, Bobby was a great guy. And, uh, and he died serving the Lord. But there's also a fellow who is of far more uh, greater fame by the name of Jim Elliott. Anyone remember Jim Elliott? Yeah? Jim Elliott, who went to take the word to the word of God, translated into the languages of the native indigenous First Nation people in South America. And his first trip didn't go so well uh, because he and his team were killed. And Jim Elliott said this, and I love, I love these words. You know, he, he, some people would say, well, what a fool. He's given up everything. He's given up everything and he's lost it. He didn't even get the first stage with these folk. They killed him. They killed his family. Jim said this, he is no fool to give up what he cannot keep, to gain what he cannot lose. Isn't that wonderful? And you know, I would say to you this day, church, is that if <laughs> one day we'll leave this earth, one day we will step from this place to the very presence of Jesus. One day you will be changed in the twinkling of an eye. All that we've tried to achieve in our life through reading the Bible and fellowship and worship, you will look into the face of Jesus and you will be transformed to the very nature of Christ. You and I. Isn't that wonderful? And wouldn't it be wonderful if we could just forget about worrying about what people think about us or say about us. Maybe we're a little loud. Some of us are a little loud. My wife tells me that. And, and you know, but wouldn't it be nice if, if we could put all that aside and just focus on pouring out our lives carelessly so the Word of God can flow out of us? Wouldn't that be great? Carelessly. Who cares what people think about you? Who cares what they think about you? Let's, as a church... And I, I really challenge you. Let's as a church determine to live out the Word of God in our lives so that whatever the cost, Christ will be glorified in and through us. Is that all right? That's fantastic. We're going to have a little, instead of having a little bit of a uh, blessing prayer, i got a video in a second. But what I'd like you to do is, I know I, I, it's not like me to do things that are a little unusual, but I think it would be nice to try something just a bit unusual. Could we all please stand for a second? I like it if we can all scooch together so we're all like uh, one. And I want you to put your arms around one another if you can. Yeah? Can you do that? Scooch? Come on, you can scooch. Y'all scooch. Is that all right? Y'all scooch. I am going to be in so much trouble for this. <laughs> all right. Now, I, I want you to do this for me. So you all, everybody okay? Nope. Yeah, everybody okay. So just close your eyes so you're not worried. Even though we're connected to the person next to you, just close your eyes for a second. And just for 10 seconds, just for 10 seconds, I want you to pray into the life of someone you know that needs Jesus. Just for 10 seconds. Do that out loud. Start now. 10 seconds. Out loud. Good. That's about 10 seconds. That's good. That's 10 seconds. That's great. What I'd like you to do now is, is just keep your eyes closed. And same deal. Can you pray a little louder, though? I want you to pray for 10 seconds for situations in your community here, in our community, where we need the light of Christ. 
and only you will know what that is. Can you just pray out loud? Please be bold. Pray out loud. Louder if you will. Please. Ten seconds. Okay, that's great. That's wonderful. That's great. Bless you. Sorry to close that. Uh, and then finally, I'm just going to ask you to pray. Uh, there, there are situations in the world where Christians are losing their lives. Uh, Christians are being thrown in prison. Uh, I'd like you to pray into something in the world this very day. Maybe it's something you're personally connected with or you have a passion for. Just be careful. If you pray it, God might do something about you using you to do it. So please close your eyes for 10 seconds. Pray for those situations in the world starting now. Pray, please, out loud. Bless you, Lord Jesus. Amen. 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 And just in the attitude of prayer, uh, you know, I always tell this to my boys in prison. I, I, I like to challenge folk, and I'm going to challenge you today as well, too. And if you want to pray this prayer, you can. And if you don't want to pray this prayer, you can't mean this prayer, don't. But I'd ask you, please, and I beg you, please do pray this prayer. I'm going to ask you if you'd like to commit your life to Christ this day. And commit your life carelessly, carelessly to his service as an incarnational gospel, as a living, living epistle for Christ this day. So just if you'd like to repeat these words after me, I'd be ever so grateful. But please, a warning is only pray this if you mean it. Is that all right? Don't pray it to please a person next to you. So let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me so much that you came down to earth born in a manger to die on the cross for my sins all of my sins dear Lord Jesus take my life I am utterly yours do with me what you will I surrender everything that I am to you, Lord Jesus. I pray these things in your holy name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You'd just like to sit down, please. We're going to have a final, like a little devotional. It's called The Deer's Cry, and it's a blessing. If you prayed that prayer for the first time and you've given your life to Christ, I'd ask a big favor. You could please come and speak with myself or Arthur or any one of our uh, the prison fellowship team. But we're going to pray this little, this is a little blessing. Just look at the words. And at the last image, if you haven't seen me do this because I love this little clip, there's a picture of a young offender, a young heroin addict. And just look at his face, what happens to his face. It'll be the last you know, image you see before the, Im- the, the clip goes. Thank you so much. Bless you.